What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camillo. What's up, Eddie? Uh, another disappointing loss, brother. Uh, I know, I know. We'll get to the Lakers, but uh, first up, is Jason Tatum the very best that the league has to offer today? And the Pelicans are the new number one seed in the West. They've been absolutely balling. We'll talk a little bit about them. And we're going to play a little bit of start, bench, or cut with a few teams in the Eastern and Western Conference. But, yeah, Chris, of course, it's another day, another Lakers loss, another missed Anthony Davis free throw, apparently, these days. Um, the Lakers come up short, 122-118 in overtime against the arch-rival Boston Celtics on their home floor after they were down almost 20 points in the third quarter. And they stormed all the way back to take a 13-point lead over the Boston Celtics, 106-93. to And this was at the 432 mark. It's about five minutes left. About the time that you have an overtime. And Russ actually started overtime and hit a few clutch buckets to start off the overtime back-to-back. And apparently, he couldn't make another shot for the rest of overtime. LeBron James chucked up shots. Anthony Davis chucked up shots. They seemed completely out of sorts. They were really gassed is what it was. Anthony Davis played the last 34 minutes of the game, which I'm sure contributed to his missed free throws at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, there was a point where the Lakers were up 108 to 100, gave up a three to Jason Tatum, and then gave up another three to Marcus Smart. I actually blame that play on LeBron for not relocating on Marcus Smart, or at least asking for help sooner. But nonetheless, Jason Tatum was solid, had over 44 points, had that step-back spin, step-back he's got going, Chris. Yeah, that was on. That was on. Um, and this comes off the heels of a, a, a loss in Philadelphia where the Lakers were able to storm back with even less time on the clock that time and were able to force overtime and should have won the game. Anthony Davis goes to the line because he's fouled with about one second left and misses – one of two free throws, and the game goes into overtime where the Lakers um, couldn't make a shot in overtime as well, obviously, because, in my opinion, they're gas. So, Chris, with these back-to-back losses on the road, well, one at home and one on the road, they did pull out a win in between that, which mm-hmm. was pretty solid. Uh, but what do you make of the free throws from Anthony Davis, the lineup changes from Darvin Ham? which which is coming to question. And we'll get into a little bit of what's on the horizon being that December 15th is a date that we've been discussing for a little bit. So we'll see a little bit of who might be on the move. What do you make of the current state of the Lakers and these, these losses that just seem to just be plaguing them over and over again? Yeah. um, It was very disappointing Uh, on the heels of a, I would call it a successful road trip. Yes. I understand they only went three and three, but you talk about some of the big wins that they had in there, especially against Milwaukee, how well that they competed in that, in that Philadelphia game, that game was right there for the taking. That would have been one of the more improbable wins of the season. They were down 16, I think with like four minutes to go, they were down 10 with two minutes to go. They stormed back. They gave themselves a chance, but once again, not being able to do the little, the little things like make free throws. That's what plagued them. Uh, they could have came back four and two and they had, Anthony Davis, who was sick in the middle of that trip. So he only plays eight minutes in the game against the Cavs. 
Everybody yeah. sits in the Toronto game, basically. You lost Wenyan Gabriel, who had been playing some pretty damn good ball off the bench, and you still competed Solid. in that game. Yeah, he, I, yeah, exactly. But Solid. you finished the road trip on a high note. Uh, you almost gave away that Detroit game. Good thing for Austin Reeves, knocking down that three late. Kid showing a lot of heart and hustle. And, you know, outside of that moment, he kind of had a so-so road trip. So that was a big moment for him. You come back home. I did not have the highest hopes that they were going to beat Boston. However, given how Boston got their butts kicked in Golden State and then in that same building the night before to the Clippers, you're probably thinking to yourself, are they kind of in one of those early season malaises that now the Lakers could take advantage of? Me, I knew better. I said, Boston's going to come to play against the Lakers. They They understand the rivalry. They want to get out of this rut. It's Jason Tatum. and It's in LA. It's honoring Kobe. Uh, there was no question the Celtics were going to come to play. And they did. Jason Tatum hits a three. It's a 20-point lead in the third quarter. And Chaz, I think at that point, everyone's like, yeah, it's just not their night. First game after a road trip, blah, blah, blah. However, or I can't give the Lakers that out with the whole exhaustion thing because they were in the middle, or I should say they were at the end of a five-game trip themselves. And... This was not only a second of a back-to-back, Chaz. This is three and four nights for Beantown. So young team or not, this is still a team that is feeling the the heaviness of those legs. So Lakers, I got to say, once they started defending, that's when everything started to happen. Russ is getting out in transition, getting steals. LeBron with the windmill finish, the tomahawk finish. Uh, Everybody got in on the action. Brown went went crazy. Brown went crazy. Anthony Davis was steady all game long, washing out everything that Jason Tatum was doing. LeBron was, yeah, I mean, nobody could really guard LeBron James. Grant Williams did his best, but I mean, come on. That's, that's, a, that's an ant trying to guard, uh, you know, a rhino right there. It just doesn't work, but still gave a valiant effort. All of a sudden, Chaz, it's a, what is it? A six point game going into the fourth quarter. Now, Darvin Ham did something interesting. He left the lineup that closed the third to start the fourth. We don't see that very often anymore. A lot of times, even when a team has momentum, coach sticks to the script. I want to rotate this guy at this minute mark and everything like that. Okay. Here was the problem with the Lakers coming back. They eventually took over the game. They were on a 47 to 14 run. They turned a 20 point deficit into a 13 point lead. What was the, what's the caveat in that? When are you going to rest the guys? We got the best of it. We're rolling. You don't leave the table when you're hot. Right, Chaz? You don't you don't give up the dice when you're in the middle of a heater. No, so, of course. You you, yeah, you hey man, you, you land on black, you let black ride. Like it, that's that's just what it is. Exactly. Here was the issue though. This is where the game changed. They go up 13. Boston not only comes down and hits the three, a sloppy inbound pass, they get a steal and a layup. All of a sudden, 13 is down Tatum to free, eight right? with yeah. three and a half to go. And that's when I said to myself, oh boy. This is going to end tight. Lakers are going to cool down. They're going to start getting tired. Boston's going to make one last run. And I don't think the Lakers can withstand that. And unfortunately, I was right. However, had Jason, I'm sorry, Anthony Davis hit two free throws. One. No, no. Well, but two would have really put pressure on Boston. Yeah. One, you're you're secured overtime for the most part. But if you would have hit two, now you're putting them in a position where um, they now need to start chucking threes or or something like that. Well, so yeah. Well, they were well. The Lakers, the Lakers were up two points with him going to the free throw, free throw line. Right. Uh, I believe it was one one hundred eight, one hundred six. 
And if he would have made two free throws, that would have put him up 110 to 106. Even just one, you could have at least just defended the three-point line. So right. the fact that he missed both mm-hmm. allowed Jason Tatum to just do that spin move step sure. back, which was so clean. On oh, Brian. my gosh. I, I, was, it was... It, I mean, it was just as clean as, as, as Bron's, you know, shimmy shake on Jason. Uh, I'm sorry, Jalen Brown uh, a few years ago on a on a Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles. So, I mean, so hey man, you got you just got to give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. So they end up forcing overtime, and I knew at that point Lakers don't have the legs to you know. Even though they they went up four, Russ had a couple of buckets to start overtime. They just didn't have the legs. And Boston, that's what separates the good teams from the great teams. When you're exhausted, someone's got to push you through. And Boston had multiple guys do that for them. Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Jalen Brown made some big shots. Of course, Tatum, 44 points. We're going to get to him a little bit later on. The blame game after this game was very, very interesting. And rather than point the finger at the Stars, who actually didn't execute for you down the stretch, two missed free throws from Anthony Davis, an ill-advised three by LeBron in the final seconds. I hated that shot. There was no rhythm to it whatsoever at the end of the fourth, at the end of regulation, I should say to win it. I hated that shot. Not sure why he didn't at least try to get closer to the basket, you know, kind of like what he did in Detroit, collapse the defense, kick it out to an open man. I don't know, understand why he didn't do that because LeBron is so capable of doing that heavy legs or not. That was a lazy three at the end. And the thing about it is with three people on him, with three people on him, or at least three people in the neighborhood. So what are you doing, Bron? So your stars, Definitely coughed it up. However, the narrative for this game shifts back to the lack of role players, particularly at the guard position. Schroeder, trash. Patrick Beverly, trash. Lonnie Walker, we haven't said this much about him this season. That was one of his worst games of the season. But he's, uh, he didn't get the playing time. He put Troy Brown, Darvin Ham. No, let's get into it. Darvin Ham put Troy there's Brown. There's a bigger issue here I want to get to, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah no, I, mean, ahead. He, I mean, I'm just if that's a microcosm of it, it's just, look, I'll just start here. If I see one more Patrick Beverly start, I'm going to have to start calling for, or at least questioning publicly on this podcast, Darvin Ham's lineup rotation, not basketball acumen, but lineup questions as far as why is this guy starting when clearly at this point, Austin Reeves is the third best player on the Lakers. It's not, it's, it really is almost not even close because of what he does on both sides of the ball. So I, I just don't understand why Patrick Beverly is still starting. I, I do understand why sometimes Troy Brown gets in, but Lonnie Walker needs all of the minutes that he possibly can handle. I don't know if his foot is still bothering him or what, what the issue, if there is an issue at all, but Lonnie Walker should have at least closed the game. He's our best wing defender. He's the Lakers best wing defender in terms of uh, who he can guard and the, how versatile he is. Now, with Jason Tatum has still done that spin move step back on, you know, him as well, absolutely. So, you know, great is great, and that's just that's just what it is. But I just – I have to question some of the lineups that Darvin Ham is rolling out there, specifically the starting lineup with Patrick Beverly. But that guard position – yeah, no, I, I agree with he you. Is not, Patrick Beverly cannot be your 3 and D wing. It's right, just... but I'm saying this guard situation has really become a problem. Like, Dennis Schroeder has been good in moments, but even he has hit a lull lately. And I think Dennis Schroeder, you know, he's proven he could start. 
But the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, Beverly has become a sieve. You know what's funny? Beverly is to Darvin Ham what Avery Bradley was to Frank Vogel. Everybody last year was getting on Vogel. Why are you starting Avery Bradley? Go to go to this no. guy, go to that guy. But <laughs> but with but I'm just saying though, there is that weak point in the starting lineup that the fans want to see addressed. And so far, Ham is not addressing it the way Vogel didn't address it with Avery Bradley. The bottom line here, Chaz, is these stars ran out of gas. They ran into the ground because for you know, you take them out for any stretch of time. And even with Russ out there, they get their butts handed to them. All of a sudden, you see Boston 14 to 3 run, Boston 10 nothing run, Sixers uh, uh 14 to 2 run. Like a game that was relatively close now gets away from you because of a lack of depth. And that's where the narrative is now shifting. This could have been the final straw for Rob Polink, or at least it should be to say, we need some wing depth. We need guys that are capable of coming in in short minutes off the bench or starting whatever and being able to score, being able to create their own shot, being able to create for others and take pressure off of our stars so that we could give them a blow and not go down 25 points and have to claw our way back only to come up short at the end because we have no legs. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with what you said, but the only change I would say is Patrick Beverly is to Rob Palenka what Avery Bradley is to Frank Vogel because Rob Palenka others, okay. is, is, is the one who's calling the shots and made the promises clearly for, for you know, guys like Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, you know, other players that have played on the Lakers that, that really didn't deserve to start um, or play as much as they did as well. I'm not even going to, you know, name any more names but the lakers have denver denver on friday they got the wizards who they just beat up on phoenix who's kind of reeling right now sacramento who's been okay and charlotte who's one of the worst teams in the league uh you know and then hey, they Chaz. got dallas on the on the road so you know, it's yeah dallas on the road on christmas right christmas on Day. christmas yeah yeah so, so of those of those games they gotta win at least four of the next six maybe even five in order to kind of course correct um, and and really make their plea for Rob Pelega to, to make the to make the trade. And here's the news on that front. It, it's really telling in different reports, whether it be Bleacher, whether it be Athletic, whether it be Mark Sign, all of different outlets are reporting that the Lakers are shopping Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, Russ's contract, and a protected first round pick. And Jay Crowder and, and John Collins are also on the trading block. Those are two players who are definitely, you know, making rounds. The Lakers would love if Zach Levine would come available because it's looking like the Bulls could be sellers, especially after an overtime loss against the Knicks most recently this week, and they're just not looking good. Did you, did you guys see Caruso get absolutely mopped up by uh, Jalen Brunson in the corner to end that game? That was, that was nasty. That was yeah, that absolutely was nasty. That was pretty um, crazy. But, yeah. You know, it's funny. Kuzma. So this upcoming Sunday, that'll be the Kuzma audition game to return to the Lakers. Last Sunday was the Bogdanovich audition game. We know how that went. 38 points for boy. On Bogdanovich. I was like, who's is interested in coming back home? Exactly. Well, that, but, that, and Bogdanovich and Bogdanovich might be interested as well. But the bottom line is you need to get this team some support, but also too, I want to call out the stars a little bit. You got to be able to execute because as much as we want to blame these other guys, you have to take Anthony Davis got to take responsibility. LeBron's got to take responsibility. Russ and the poor shot selection and the turnovers. 
you, you want to be call yourself stars. You can't be the worst star duo tandem when it comes to late game free throws and late game execution, which unfortunately Anthony Davis and LeBron James with this, with an assist from Westbrook are in that position compared to some of these other stars in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're playing, they've been playing much, much better. The good news no is that on a, a, usually a game like this on national television a month ago against the best team in the league, they'd get mopped up by 20, 30 points. They're actually in the game. Yes, they were down 20 points, but they, they made their way back, took a pretty substantial lead. But they played against, like I said, the best team in the league, the Boston Celtics, who are 22-7 and seven now. They have Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. They don't even have Robert Williams, who's out. So, And that's really their weakness because they're, no you know, Al they Horford have Grant either. Williams down wow. there. Instead, they didn't have Al Horford either. Mm-hmm. And some way, somehow, Jalen Brown – and Jason Tatum are just balling. So I, I pose to you the question, Chris, is Jason Tatum the best player in the league right now at this very moment, averaging 30 points on 47% from the field, 37 minutes a game, had 44 this week against the Lakers. I mean, flawless. I, I said it last week, man. Yeah. What do you think? We've been singing his praises now. This will be the second week. We're, we're, we're basically talking about him and, and Boston. They are a complete team. Uh, is he the best in the league right now? Yes, and I'll tell you why, Chaz. He's hungry. This dude, let's not forget, Boston didn't just lose the finals to the Golden State Warriors. He did not play well in the finals. So you could make an argument that Tatum was a reason why Boston lost. You know what I mean? Just like what I was oh, yeah. saying with, just like I was saying with AD and, and, and LeBron, AD and LeBron were not necessarily the reasons why the Lakers lost, but they were also a reason why they didn't win. And you could make that same argument for Tatum and the Celtics last year. Tatum was a big reason why Boston had the type of season that they did, why they went on that run that they did, but because he floundered in the playoffs and credit to golden state's defense experienced team great culture. Wiggins stepped up and outplayed him and, and gave him everything he could handle. But that became fuel for him. He knows what Kobe went through, losing in 04 to Detroit, losing in 08 to the Celtics and how poorly Kobe played in those series and how that became fuel to win the two next, you know, his two next uh, finals appearances uh, in 09 and 2010. So I think that's what, what, what is um, driving Jason Tatum this year and why it's driving Ergo, I should say, why that's driving the Boston Celtics to be the best team in the league. So, yes, as of right now, I think he is the best player, and he's certainly a top-tier closer. But, man, if he's not going to be MVP, he'll definitely finish in the top two. I mean, Jokic, Giannis, Steph, you know, Booker, Ja, we're, we're throwing a lot of names out there. All of them have had really good seasons. And if Tatum keeps this up and Boston gets the number one seed, no question in my mind that kid's going to get an MVP. And I still can't help but think, to quote Joe Pesci from The Irishman, I still think, I can't help but think, what the Lakers could have done had they drafted him over Lonzo Ball. He'd be in New Orleans balling for him instead because they still would have made the trade for Anthony Davis. That's my opinion. Everybody wants to talk about what would have, could have, should have, would have. But whoever the Lakers would have picked. And at the time, they had Brandon Ingram too, so they didn't need Tatum, how that would have worked. But Boston made it work because they had him and Brown. Well, Jalen Brown, his game wasn't as polished as Brandon Ingram's was. So you knew that you were going to have to get B.I. the ball 
and Jalen Brown didn't get the ball from jump. He just was just athletic enough to, you know, be able to do his thing, um, you know, from the time that he entered the league. And Jason Tatum was more of the polished player. So you didn't want to put two alpha polished players together like that. But I, if I'm a GM, I, I would take both of them if I was. If I and was by the way, player. but hey, Philly I, screwed I that up too. Philly, Philly yeah, traded down. Yeah. They trade, they no, traded. No, no, I'm down. sorry. They tra- no, I'm sorry. Boston traded down. Philly yeah. trades up to get the number one uh, pick to get Markel Fultz. I right. mean, and Boston and Boston still got their guy. They still got so, their guy because 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 the Lakers were locked in on Lonzo because Lonzo had had such a great season at UCLA, hometown kid. You know, Magic Johnson wanted to guard. you know make his yeah. point exactly. Yeah. So hey, uh, some things work out, some things don't. Word on the street is that Lonzo Ball might be very, very close to coming back. So I'm very happy to see and hear that news. Hopefully he can help the Chicago Bulls, but hopefully the Chicago Bulls can possibly hurt the Lakers, uh, help the Lakers. But back to Jason Tatum, he, yeah, he's Your thoughts. definitely going to be the MVP if the Boston Celtics hold on to the number one seed and they just play like they've been playing. And I see no other reason why they won't. Joe Mazzulla's coaching great. They have a great organization, clearly, from top to bottom because they had a scandal inside and out, and they're still uh, at the top of the heap. So with Jason Tatum leading the charge, he's definitely going to be the MVP unless Giannis just makes a strong push and overtakes the Celtics. Because even though they the Celtics have had a great season, Milwaukee Bucks are only a game behind him. Giannis is doing his thing back east as well. And somehow, some way, the Brooklyn Nets are still creeping up silently but surely, winning eight of their last ten and winning four straight, sitting at seventeen and twelve as well. So the sad standings are looking pretty interesting, and there's a few teams that are you know starting to you know separate themselves as far as the top of each conference. The West looks a little bit different, Chris. Guess who's at the top of the West? Hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side of the break. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Please drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You could also follow us on nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the shows tab, click on the outlet form. And that of course will take you to our Apple podcast page. 
You know, Chaz, uh, this month has been very funky, uh, a month of remembrance, a lot of deaths, some of them, most of them, I should say, very untimely, very stunning. Um, recently, college football coach Mike Leach uh, down in Mississippi, uh, kind of the innovator of the air raid offense. I remember him well. Uh, anytime Washington State would play USC or UCLA when he was in the Pac-12, was was not a more innovative mind and definitely not a better interview. I mean, this guy would talk about anything and everything pre-game, post-game. So obviously uh, died at the age of 61 due to a heart attack and just so just such a tragedy. And especially this time of year, right around the holidays. So shout out to him and his family and, and to the entire Ole Miss community. Um, it's, it's really a tough loss. And in the NBA community, Chaz, Paul Silas, Longtime Huge NBA loss. coach. Huge loss. Yes, yeah, 79 years old, also died of uh, complications of a cardiac arrest. Um, he was best, you know, not a very well-known coach. Like he wasn't uh, somebody that everybody, as far as fans knew, but people within the NBA community knew who he was. Uh, spent mo the majority of his, year, uh, of his career coaching in Charlotte as an assistant uh, for years in the late 90s, then took over as head coach for, for a few years before coaching a rookie in Cleveland by the name of LeBron James in 2003 spent the first year and a half with uh, LeBron before he was fired in LeBron's sophomore season because of an incident with uh, Eric, the veteran at the time, Eric snow. And then he got another stint as coaching the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, excuse me. Then it was the Bobcats the from 2010 to 2012. His legacy lives on through his son, Steven Silas, now head coach of the Houston Rockets. Uh, he also has a daughter, Paula, and uh, we just want to give, our condolences and our thoughts and prayers with the entire Silas family and his wife, Carolyn, and uh, definitely a, a tough loss for the NBA community. Chaz, what do you remember about Paul Silas? Oh man. I mean, it goes back to his Boston Celtics days. Uh, it goes back to him, you know, playing on that Seattle team that won in the seventies, like coached by Lady Wilkins, like you said, um, it, it goes back to him really coaching LeBron and, and him being that staple, I, I thought always thought growing up that um, Coach John Thompson of Georgetown and Paul Silas were like the two coaches to me that that just really rung true and, and really had a, a big a big impact on the NBA in their time. And the fact that they're both gone and both of their sons uh, still coach the games you know, uh, coach the same exact games, um, you know, that they coach pretty much. So shout out to Paul Silas. Love what Steven Silas said uh, during his post game, or I think it was a pregame actually, uh, talking about, you know, how proud he was to be uh, his son and all the kind things that everybody said. And he wants everybody to say those things about him, when, you know, when he's no longer here as well. So uh, shout out to the Paul Silas family and condolences um, you know, to any, anyone affected, especially in their family. Mike Leach, I mean, that was unexpected. And definitely. he was a character, and he was definitely, you know, a, a big staple of college football. So, but really, the, the big thing, and we'll get into it later, but uh, Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner is home. Yeah. Finally. After all this time, and, and was finally released. Um, 10 months, Chaz, 10 months in a Russian prison. I'm just, I, you know, I personally, that was, that hit home for me. Um, obviously because, you know, her, her representing our country, 
um, and is so close to our culture and our family and our community, you know, being the basketball community. Um, you know, I cried when I found out the news that she was uh, coming home because, you know, God is real, power is real. Um, I'm just really, really happy. So I'll, I'll have more thoughts on that. We'll get into the minutia surrounding uh, Brittany Griner uh, as she, you know, matriculates back into society and maybe even speaks publicly for the first time. Um, who knows when, but uh, very, 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 very happy for her as well as the WNBA um, that she's back home and, and let's see kind of, you know, what steps she decides, decides to take from here. As long as she, you know, obviously give her time and her privacy. Uh, but I'm really interested to see what she does uh, given what she's been through and, and now that she's home safe. So, um, but back to NBA news, there was a few teams that I was going to give you as far as we're, at the top of the Western Conference. Now, we talked about the Bucks and the Celtics being 1-2 in the East. But we got a new number one, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans, mm. who, who own the Lakers' first pick, round pick this year, by the way. Yeah. Um, at 18-9, and nine, tied for first place with the Memphis Grizzlies, who have been playing without John Morant for a stint, and he's back now. They're winners of six in a row, eight of their last ten. Pelicans just got their seven game winning streak stat uh, the other night. So they're sitting at 18 and nine. I knew the Pelicans were going to be a playoff team, maybe even a top four seed. I don't think they'll finish as the number one seed, but the fact that it's December and possibly going into January that they're the number one seed, very impressive. Did not see it coming. Zion is the most electrifying player that I like to watch on NBA League Pass. More than Ja, more than Luka, more than Braun, more than Steph, more than KD, more than Kyrie. Zion is the guy. If he's playing, I don't care if it's against, if it's against the Orlando Magic. I don't care if, it gets, if it's against the Houston Rockets. I don't care who he's playing on League Pass. If Zion is in the lineup, I'm watching that game also because Antonio Daniels is the uh play by I'm not the play the color man on the uh, broadcast. With well, Joel also and, also with and, Joel Myers. Look at Zion. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I love the I love those two together. So between Zion dunking on you know different guys, who did he dunk on the other night? Uh, center from Utah. Oh, uh, was uh, it was guy? it was it Larry Markinen? No, 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 the big guy. Uh, it's like seven two. Oh, got his name. Uh, Kessler. Kessler. Or, yeah. Okay. Kessler. Yeah. 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 He dunked on Kessler two hand. Bam. Now they lost that game, but mm-hmm. which is why they got their seven game winning streak snap. But the Pelicans are number one in the West. The Nuggets are are a close third, and we'll get into how the Phoenix Suns have fallen a little bit later in the show, losing five straight. But Chris, what do you make of the Pelicans, and do you think that they can stay at number one or even as a top three seed? as the rest, the rest of the season progresses and concludes uh, in April. Well, here's the thing. I think, yeah, why not? Because think about this. While they've been dominating the West, they've been doing it without a couple of key players. Brandon Ingram's had some injury issues so far this season. He's, uh, you know, right now he's out with the sprained toe. He missed uh, a handful of games due to a concussion. Uh, so he's had his fair share of issues. Herbert Jones, who I think just came back, uh, very talented uh, young wing player, very good defensively, very athletic. He just came back too. So 
they have been down some key guys and yet their depth has just been unbelievable because of guys like Dyson Daniels, because of guys like Najee Marshall, because of guys like Trey Murphy, the third to supplement what they've gotten out of Zion Williamson, who has just been absolutely dominant. He's another guy, you know, we talked about Tatum being hungry this year. Zion is hungry. And I, and I don't just mean at the buffet line, he's actually hungry to oh, play some man. hoops. Well, you know, oh, last you're, Oh, I'm just course. saying, I'm just saying, man. Oh, you know, you last didn't year, I didn't, you have, didn't have to. It's in good fun. Come on. I am not body shaming or fat shaming. The guy was big. Okay. <laughs> he's still kind of big, but he's balling. So that's good. And he's healthy. Jonas Fallon. Big man balling. Shout out Marcus Spears. And I think they've also gotten some stability out of really good veterans like Larry Nance Jr., like Jonas Valanciunas, like CJ McCollum, who's a legit closer for them. So they have every angle covered. And I just want to say shout out to David Griffin. And a lot of people may say, well, yeah, of course, he, he raided the Lakers. Uh, there's only one piece left from that. Yeah, it's an important piece in Brandon Ingram, but he is drafted really well. And he is quietly, quietly assembled a great nucleus of supporting cast players that nobody ever really heard of. Who heard of Trey Murphy? Who heard of Najee Marshall? Who heard of Jose Alvarado? Who heard of some of these guys before they started playing with the Pelicans? The advanced scouting that Griffin and Swin Cash and Trajan Langdon and that front office group has done to recruit some of these guys kind of reminds me of what Sean Marks did with the Nets, you know, finding Jared Allen and Joe Harris and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Avert. Nobody had really heard of these guys. These weren't blue chip college prospects, Jazz. So he has done the same thing here in New Orleans. And not only have they bought into their roles, but they are like big parts of their success. And then, of course, the, the straw that serves the drink, as Reggie Jackson, the Hall of Fame baseball player, would say, it's Willie Green. The head coach, he has done a superb job in his second year as head coach down there in New Orleans. And, you know, they've had some talent. They've had some talent. Anthony Davis, go back to Chris Paul, Baron Davis, whatever, what have you. They've had some playoff years too, but nothing has been sustained. This looks like they've got the makings of something special here over a span of potentially the next five or six years. That is how special this group can be if they're able to get healthy, stay healthy, and, and keep it all together. But man, what they're doing so far, the first quarter of the season, Chaz, nothing short of impressive. Brandon Ingram didn't even, isn't even playing. That's why I just, as well. yeah. So like I just you said, said and, yeah. and Zion is averaging over 28 points, nine rebounds and five assists in 34 minutes, shooting over 67% from the field. And it's a next he, man up mentality. That's what I think I like that they have going. No Brandon Ingram, no problem. Who's next to step up? Zion's going to be this, uh, an all-star starter this year. I hope so. I think, yeah. I, I think it would be wise for them to do that because he's would... just the most the most exciting player. John Morant, obviously, he should be an all-star starter as well. So it's, I... it's gonna it's gonna get really interesting in the West because then you still got Steph, you still got Bron, who's a forward, you still got AD, who's obviously playing great. You got. A lot of good players in the West that, that are playing really good. You can't forget about Dame. Can't forget about uh, Steph, Steph, Booker. Clay, those guys, so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, quick question. It'll be quick. Yeah, no, so, so sorry. Quick question for you. Those two wins that they had against Phoenix, is that enough proof for you to say that the Pelicans can potentially go to the Western Conference Finals at the very least? Or are they not, not ready the to least. make that jump? 
are they are they not ready to make that jump yet? Is it still they're ready, too early they're ready, to say? They are ready to get out of the first round. Whoever whoever they face in the first round is probably going to get punched in the mouth and knocked out in six games. Hopefully, it's not the Lakers because that would be pretty ironic, especially if they own because they own their pick. So, uh, but the Pelicans are balling. They they definitely are ready to get out of the first round. Are they ready to, to take the next step to beat a team like Denver seven games, like Phoenix, who's been there, obviously, even though they haven't won it seven games, uh, like the Warriors. They could face the Warriors in the second round. Are they ready to beat a team like that? Like, yeah, you could probably beat the Trailblazers, the Wolves, you know, the, the, the Lakers probably. I'd be interested to see if they could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series, probably so. Especially if they're they're fully healthy, uh, Clippers don't have anyone that can match court. up with. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Clippers don't have anyone that can match up with Zion, though. I think yeah, Marcus exactly. Morris. So I think would, Marcus Morris would get worked in that series against them. Yeah, it would, it, it it would be interesting. Um, and I like the fact that Zion three sixty power slammed at the last second on Phoenix. Phoenix had it coming. Probably should he shouldn't have, but Phoenix is just the the biggest front running team that talks the most shit that hasn't done shit like. It's, that's just who they are and why they get so much flat from other teams. But speaking of Phoenix, Chris, let, let's play a little start bench effect. Uh, if you don't, if you aren't familiar, you start one. If you have to bench one, and if you have to cut one, which of these three teams would go into each slot? I'm going to let you go first. Okay. The three teams are the Nets, the Suns, and the Sixers. Okay, before Start I answer, one, bench one, cut one. Okay, so before I answer, when you brought this up in our pre-production meeting, I couldn't help but think of Step Brothers when they're doing the joint interviews in the matching yep. tuxedos, and he and John C. Riley says, "Okay, here's a shot out of a cannon." Oprah Winfrey, Barbara Walters, your wife. You gotta sleep with one, marry one, kill go, one. Go, go. go. <laughs> So I couldn't help but think about that. Step Brothers, shout out to John C. Riley uh, and and Will Ferrell. It's one of my favorite comedies ever. So you know, here's a shot out of a cannon. Net six or Suns. You got to start one, bench one, cut one, go. Okay. So starting, this is interesting right here. I am going to start the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they're on the rise. I think now that they've got Harden healthy, they've got a lot of their key pieces back. They're going to get Maxi back, hopefully. If not this month, then then definitely at the start of the uh, the new year in January. But they seem to be playing some better basketball of late. Uh, a lot of their role players ha- have been stepping up, and and uh, DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton, the Eminem brothers, they're 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 killing it right now. Uh, Embiid reminding people why he should also be in the MVP conversation. So I really think finally, Chaz, your Sixers are on the rise, and they just. Uh-huh. And they just dismantled Sacramento, which is no easy feat the other night. So shout out to them. I'm going to bench the Nets. Uh, I, I like what they're, they're doing now that they've got all their pieces together. They're starting, you know, same issues as the Sixers. They were not healthy, had, had a little bit of dysfunction, but now they're starting to really come together and play well. And cut, I'm cutting Phoenix. I know this sounds weird, and I know they've lost four or five in a row. They, they just... The right. problem is they're they're complaining too much. They're, they're they're not focusing on playing playing better basketball. Like CJ McCollum is, you don't want us to dunk on you. Come back and play play some defense. Not to mention, all you guys do is throw shade and disrespect players who've actually accomplished more than you have. And guess what? Guess what? 
Now, every, DeAndre Ayton, well, the teams that we're scouting, they're the, the, the teams we see on the clips aren't the teams that we're seeing on the court. They're playing harder. Yeah, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that is? Because you guys don't know how to keep your traps shut, especially Chris Paul, especially campaign. So, yeah, I hope they continue to fall into some mediocrity and some hard times. That being said, I still think they're going to be a top three or top four Hell seed yeah. in the Western Conference. But mm-hmm. as of right now, out of these three, based on current temperature, and it's pretty cold in here, I'm going to cut them. Oh, man. I Don't tell me you had the exact same thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm starting my Sixers. Of course. I told you. Embiid is, is the only player that's playing on the same level as Anthony Davis currently. There's nobody else that's doing, that's doing it as consistent as AD right now even though the Lakers are racking up losses because he can't make free throws in the last couple of games. But I'm starting the Sixers. I'm going to bench the Suns, and I'm going to cut the Nets. And here's why. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to bet on the fact that the leader in CP3 and the talent in Chris or in, in Devin Booker and the coaching in Monty Williams on DeAndre Ayton will come through more then Jacques Vaughn, KD, who's a great talent, but will there's a lot of time between now and, and April or June. Could Kyrie really be squeaky clean between now and then? Because we didn't get too far into this season hmm. with having something happen. So say that again. If I'm a if I'm a betting man, which I am, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and put my money on the fact that the Suns will figure it out because we've seen what they look like at full tilt. Unfortunately, it's like they're going through a, a championship hangover without the championship. And that's a, that's the feeling that I get with the Suns. You, they do a lot of complaining, a lot of trash talk, a lot of front running and acting like they've won something when they haven't. So, but I, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid enough to buy into the fact that Devin Booker and CP3 won't figure it out along with Monty Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and bench the Suns and cut out the Nets because I don't think the Nets, while they could possibly win a first round series, I just I can't put my trust and belief. Well, and and they don't and they still don't really play good defense either as a, as a team. And I think that's that and their lack of size, Chaz. That's going to lead to their undoing because if you look at every other team with maybe the exception of Boston, and and I'm talking about Boston right now, and they're eventually going to get Robert Williams the third back. All of these teams have very good front courts. And I just don't think if you're asking Kevin Durant, oh yeah, drop 35 on these guys and go out and slow down Giannis, go out and guard Embiid, go out and guard, uh, you know, Robert Williams and Jason Tatum. He's going to get worn down. So they just don't have enough, unless they drastically address their size and their defense becomes top 10 in efficiency overnight. I agree. I I don't think that's far-fetched. The only reason why I'm cutting the Suns, I'm cutting the Suns now. I think you're, you're cutting the nets because of long-term. So I think that's where we kind of differ on that, but I, I don't, I think we both agree that the Sixers are on the rise and if they stay healthy and once they get Maxi back and reintegrate him, it could definitely be dangerous in that Eastern conference. They can win it all. And I, I, I want to see James Harden and Joel Embiid in the finals or, or at least in high leverage moments against either the Celtics or the Bucks in the Eastern conference finals. That's what I want to see. Like, uh, put put your money where your mouth is. 
And Joel Embiid has been putting his money where his mouth is. By the way, he's been performing. We just got to see if, like you said, Maxi Harden, if everything can come back together like they had before. Uh, good stuff, man. Great stuff. But you know what time it is, Chris. It's the time for my favorite part of the podcast. The funniest shit happened this week. There's not, there's no other nominees in the social media posts of the week. We both have the same one. There's there's no other nominees, guys. Okay. This is coming directly from TMZ Sports. Chris, can you go ahead and lay it out to us what the social media post of the week? from TMZ Sports was this week, sir? Was stunned when I saw this. And I'm assuming this happened in the Clippers' last home game. I know they're playing Wednesday night against the T-Wolves, but this happened, had to have been on Monday. Uh, Clipper Daryl. So this, so this was reported by TMZ Sports. Um, I don't know who had the video per se, but TMZ got a hold of it. It was posted up by NBA Central. This is where I saw it, at the NBA Central. Really good aggregator. Clipper Daryl got knocked out by a security guard at Crypto Arena. I mean, I have seen some wacky things. I have never Bruh. seen a borderline mascot, an unofficial Bruh. mascot of the team, who's been, an, you could really make the argument, an LA fan icon over the last 15, 16 years, get Bruh. knocked out by security. And Chaz, let me tell you something about security, okay, at the Crypt. And I know you've, you've been to Staples Center and everything like that. I've actually been there as media. I, I can't tell you, these are good people, hardworking people trying to do their jobs, you know, put your stuff through the metal detector, clear your pockets, wand you, whatever the case is. Obviously, I'm going there. Your everyday guy. Yeah, Good absolutely. Guy. Yeah. And there's the purple shirts who kind of do, you know, traffic control, find your seat. Oh, you're here. You're there. Don't walk here during this time. Okay. They're like traffic cops. I think they're red shirts. No, no, no. You have the purple shirts, and then I was going to get to the red. The red coats okay. are the ones that are actually doing security. They're making sure nobody rushes the court. They're making sure they're checking media credentials. I mean, these are people that even if you're media, they want to see your credentials because that's what they're trained to do. Now, I will say this. That was excessive in a sense of knocking a dude out. Even if Daryl did put hands on this guy first, we still don't know the whole story. Yeah. There's no audio. Right, but I'm saying to actually cold cock a guy, man, that got that escalated quickly. And I heard that employee got fired. Crypto.com uh, Arena, whoever runs oh, it, wow. yeah, issued a statement. So they fired. Now, here's what I think is going to be interesting. And, and I want you to respond to this. You could potentially see two lawsuits simultaneously, both against crypto.com. One would be Daryl for obviously getting hit you know, excessive and everything like that. And, you and know, guy. proving that I got head damage, brain damage, orbital he damage. Did, he did get knocked out. He he got he was, hit he in the video. Yeah. He got hit flush, goes straight to the ground, and then hits his head up against like a trash can or something. By the way, the ghost, it was also reported, the ghost of John Witherspoon went over him. He's like, hey, young man, finish it, Jazz. You got knocked up out. <laughs> So John Witherspoon was, was present. So that's one lawsuit you could see. The second, if that employee was fired and they proved that it was self-defense, now he could sue crypto.com, right, for unlawful termination. So we could see some wackiness come out of here, but I wonder what the future of Darryl, Clipper Daryl is now going to the crypt, uh, Chaz. So he, 
tell me what you think about everything I just said. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, I mean, look, he, you don't, you don't put your hands on another man. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think we've all gotten into it with security at different parts or another, but uh, yeah, man, you just, you, you don't touch security first because some of those guys, you know, kind of exercise their power a little bit quicker than others. And clearly this guy did. So mm -hmm. uh, Clipper Darrow got the right one that day. <laughs> Or the wrong one. The wrong thing. one, so, definitely. For him. For I'll, him anyway. I'll, I'll go ahead and just leave it at that. Um, I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. Go ahead and click the link uh, you know, to our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Another great week, another great show of the Outlet Form Podcast. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Chaz P on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? Well, you could also follow me on clipperlgeraldgetsknockedout.com. Uh, <laughs> at, at Mama Say Crack Crack. <laughs> no, that was that was a Steve Harvey quote right there from Johnson Family to make. Oh my God, bro! Yeah. Guys, clearly we do not rehearse this because this guy is going off. He's by the way, I have one crazy. more. I by the way, I had one more movie quote. They were just racing through my mind. Crack. When you yeah. mama say crack, crack. Well, Steve Harvey said it, not me. He came up with that at Johnson Family Vacation when the mother knocked out uh, Vanessa Williams's boyfriend or whatever. Oh, man. Uh, so that's one. Uh, the other one was um, okay. Let, let's be serious. At Chris underscore Camello. If you can't go to that other website, at Chris underscore Camello on Twitter. <laughs> see Camello one on Instagram and at the outlet form on both Twitter and uh, Instagram. Be sure to check us out there. And um, yeah, great, great stuff, man. Mama say crack, crack. <laughs> crack, crack. Well, until next time, you guys, uh, if, we go, if we don't speak to you guys before the end of the year, happy new year uh, and to another year of shows here at the outlet forum. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys again soon. Peace. Thank you.